0: Today on City Cash, Chicago. It's the end of the week, so you already know what time it is. We're looking back on some Chicago stories we couldn't turn away from. A couple that deserved a little more attention, and of course, some good news to send you into the weekend. And trust me, you want to stick around because I've got a Block Club Chicago double billing for you. Jamie Nesbitt Golden, who covers Bronzeville and other stories from the near South Side. And Mina Bloom, who's all over Logan Square, Humble Park, and Avondale, joined me yesterday to catch up.
1: And I didn't know we were allowed to curse because I would have been cursing up a storm. This is great. <laughs> no holding back here. No filter.
0: It's Friday, August 27th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is City Cash Chicago. Welcome to City Cash Chicago, both of you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for having us.
0: So let's jump into what we do on Fridays. What's that story that really was on your mind throughout the week that maybe not dominated all your attention, but it definitely took up a big part of your attention? And, and Jamie, I'm going to start with you. What was that story for you this week?
2: It's Kanye West. And um, <laughs> so his uh, listening experience is tonight at Soldier Field and uh the park district has made it clear that they take the, the covid threat seriously they're only packing it to you know sort of half you know capacity
0: 38000 just
2: 38000 right 30 just 38000 38 friends packed in um and I, you know and I, I think they did announce today that there's going to be uh there are going to be people um at uh soldier field uh that are we're trying to get people vaccinated which you know is a good thing that said why why now why why did we think that now was the time to to have a big huge and we've been doing like these sort of stadium you know uh arenas uh since you know announcing you know, the you know our upcoming album project and I like that he's back in the studio. That's great. Uh, like, you know, whatever gets him through, like whatever, you know, divorce, you know, stuff that he's dealing with. That's, that's great. I'm just concerned about what this is going to look like after, you know, the fact like, what is this going to look like? What will the numbers look like next week? Because again, we are, uh, we're not, there's no requirement to, you know, show your vaccination card. We're not requiring testing. We're just like, Hey, Everybody, just come through. And then, you know, Kanye has made it clear, you know, that he isn't on board with the whole vaccination thing. And that's a little troubling because a lot of folks take their cues from Kanye West. (laughs) And he's not the only rapper to be out here saying this. I think, man,
0: Busta was up on stage. Busta, Busta, Like,
2: like... like, where's your hype, man, to just pull you back? Like, I don't I don't understand But yeah, so like I think it's really concerning to me Mm -hmm. um, that there are people, you know, these, you know, Kanye still has a lot of influence. Busta is considered, you know, like an elder statesman of hip hop. And meanwhile, we keep seeing cats in their 40s and 50s dying from this disease.
0: We just lost a famous DJ in the city.
2: Yeah, I covered the the death of DJ Paul Johnson, who was like a house music icon. Um, who passed away at 50, like these stories, like if anything, should give
1: people pause.
0: Yeah, we're right there with you. Mina, what was that story for you this week that was was on your mind?
1: So I've written a series of stories on Amazon lockers and in Chicago. I've been following. I've been
0: following. (laughs) They some busters.
1: And this week I really answered the biggest question that I had had since I started reporting on this, which was, how much is the park district making off of these lockers, right?
0: Before you answer that, can you can you catch up my listeners who may not be familiar with, with, with exactly what we're talking about?
1: Absolutely. So the story really started with these photos of these two lockers, these two Amazon lockers, and when we say Amazon lockers, we mean like they're
0: these the little delivery hubs,
1: delivery hubs, like where they they're they're storing your Amazon packages, right? So you can. Go pick up your your packages. So, anyway, so these photos of these two Amazon lockers in these two parks in Chicago, these photos went viral, and the reason they went viral is because these lockers, um, rather than being placed like you know away from people, uh, you know uh, tucked away, inconspicuous, like no, these lockers were placed on the sidewalks in these public parks. Um, And so what they were doing was partially blocking the sidewalk and making it more difficult for people to navigate through these public parks, like people with strollers, people with wheelchairs. So there was outrage. The park district responded to the outrage by removing these two particular lockers. And then they said, look, you know, we were actually planning to install 50 more of these lockers, but we're going to put this, we're going to put all future installations on hold. This is all on hold. So we kept digging, you know, we, I asked repeatedly for this, the revenue figures wouldn't give them. Then we, I, you know, submitted the FOIA requests and the contract is very interesting. Um, The contract shows that the park district is making no more than around 137,000 dollars for the year to have all of these um lockers in Chicago parks. And now you know, I've talked to critics of of this plan of Amazon's partnership with the park district and they say that's not enough money.
0: Oh, uh, what did you think when you saw those those photos, Jay?
2: Amazon is a billion dollar company and that's all y'all getting? Like that's it? Like you couldn't even really that's
0: the budget I'm, I'm with you. Jamie, I want to come back to you. We're going to talk about what was that underhype story, that story that uh, you saw this week. But one of your thoughts was more people should be talking about this. More people should be thinking about this.
2: Our colleague Maxwell Evans wrote a story about the uh, SROs uh, being uh, like the like Tucson CPS high schools, but it's removed when officer from campus. But like the cops are like, hey, eh, we're still going to keep the two. And I'm just—I <laughs> yeah. again have questions. Like um, uh-huh. the 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 CBD is saying that they're going to keep two officers in place um, uh, at schools that voted to remove one until its new contract with CPS is finalized, um, citing safety concerns. But again, if if these folks have voted, you know they're you know they they they've they've already told you that they only want one of you. This should be again a no-brainer. But the fact that CPD is still like, well, we're still going to do what we want to do. It's just really interesting to me. And it, I think that should be a, a bigger story. So so I know, uh, so this is sort of what relates to all the, the uprisings of last year where a lot of local school councils had votes um, in the last year or so whether or not to keep SROs in, in schools. Interestingly enough, like a lot of schools on the South side and the West side, uh, predominantly, predominantly Black ones, Voted to retain their SROs. Having uh, been a product of having, you know, a, a CPS school, like I can tell you, like most of my interactions with our SROs were not that great. And some of these students who were protesting against that have similar stories. But you also have a, a, a bunch of people, older folks, administrators who believe that these SROs uh, keep the
0: school safe while students tell you, I don't necessarily agree with that over and over and over. (laughs) And not only students, like you mentioned throughout this summer, 23 schools voted to remove one of those officers under the belief that when schools start back in the fall, that that officer won't be there and they'll have that money to reinvest. And yet, like you said, a week out of school, CPD was like, yeah, well, actually (laughs)
2: <laughs> that, that that it ain't going to
0: go down quite like that.
2: Right. According to CBS, there will still be plans to sort of fund um, alternative programs. But again, we are still sort of at the mercy of CPD.
0: The argument that's being made is about safety, right? We need to protect the officer's safety. And yet all four police unions are against vaccines. And so this idea of how power and resources get talks about when it's related to the police is like we need more resources well you give 40 percent of the the spending budget well we're not safe but you are against vaccines and you still want to be in these schools it's like like pick and choose
2: some of them aren't even wearing masks most of the time like i mean i know last year or you know early you know like a large part of this year we masks were mandated right and you're sort of going to these protests and you're seeing you know uh officers you know completely unmasked just out here willy nilly it's like the whole protect and serve thing kind of goes out the window when you can't do like the basic stuff to even keep yourselves
1: safe.
0: Mina when that came across you what'd you what'd you think?
1: You mean I, I agree with everything Jamie is saying I mean I think you know there was a quote in the piece about from I believe from a local school council member you know just saying like why did we even do this then like why did we even vote? Um, and I can completely understand that sentiment.
0: Mina, what was that underrated story for you? That story this week that you thought deserved a, a little more hype. Jamie started us off with the police and schools. What's yours?
1: Yeah. Another police story that really grabbed my attention, the shot spotter stories that have been coming out and particularly the one that Mauricio uh, Mauricio has been covering this, our colleague um, very well. And, I'll I'll start from the beginning. So ShotSpotter is this technology that like picks up sounds to detect gunshots. It's supposed to help police fight crime. And I believe it was Vice that in earlier this summer published a report explained that there's evidence that these Sounds are in this technology is being manipulated, and so that really kicked off a series of stories that I've been following. Mauricio has been doing such a great job covering again, but found the same thing that that ShotSpotter is just not an effective tool in getting that evidence that we need to 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 fight gun crimes. I was also struck by the fact that activists have been calling for an end to ShotSpotter to get rid of this technology, and their contract is continuing. They have a contract until like 2023.
0: We did a story a couple of weeks ago on ShotSpotter and we sat down with Alex Goodwin, who was an activist, and we sat down with Jamie Calvin from the Invisible Institute. Throughout our research, everyone we talked to said the contract ends August 19th. The contract ends August 19th. Everyone from our media sources, from our activists, was under the belief that the contract was ending in August. And then we found out they extended that back in December. Um, and so after we we broke that story, we followed up on it. And, you know, not only were was the MacArthur Justice Foundation saying ShotSpotter is trash and more words with more graphs and like, you know, statistics and all that kind of shit. But they conclusion was pretty much ShotSpotter seems to be 89 percent of the tr- time trash. Uh, the activists 100 percent believe that. And then. The new uh Vice came out, CBS and New York Times, AP, it keeps going, it keeps going. Now the Inspector General has come out and corroborated these reports, as Mina says, and is like, the city is able to just like adopt these contracts and then tell us, well, this doesn't need to go to city council for an extension. So that's what happened there. So my favorite part of the show, admittedly, is some good news to get you through. Jamie, what's your good news?
2: Um, so last week, I had a really cool story about Etta Moten Barnett and uh, how her estate is going up for sale next month. And again, you can live here all your life and not know about these things. And she, uh, she and her husband lived in Bronzeville for decades. She was an activist, philanthropist. She was a diplomat. Like she had, you know, she was she was like traveling the world at a time when it wasn't heard of a black woman to be doing those things so it's really really dope to see um so i'm super excited i'm definitely going to be there next month uh checking out her personal effects she, this woman had an extensive clothing collection so there's gonna be <laughs> designer clothes um she also had a very uh impressive art collection my wedding anniversary is coming up i already told him i already know what you're gonna get me it's probably something from that <laughs> so i'm like let's just i'll tell you what you got me
0: oh no that's gonna be an amazing walkthrough Uh, Mina, can you tell me what was just some good news for the people to get through this weekend? All
1: right. So another Black Club story that just filled me with so much joy, Atavia's Brown Sugar Bakery story. So this woman, Stephanie Hart, she opened Brown Sugar Bakery 17 years ago um, in the Chatham neighborhood on the south side. And she has seen so much success over the years. And you know she she worked so hard to get to where she is today. I know in the story, Atavia wrote about how she you know was working two jobs and raising a child and really trying to you know to get this business off the ground. You know she's also a self-taught baker, which I thought was amazing. Having having eaten her cakes, but uh, but now you know after 17 years, she got the keys to her building. She owns her building, and that. Is amazing. And honestly, I get chills just saying that. Like, that is incredible. She's worked so hard and she's really built a name for herself in the city. And I just, I'm just so filled with joy reading this story and, and hearing, you know, Stephanie's journey.
0: I love that we celebrate in Black women.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly.
0: My moment of joy from this week is about the. Chosen Few DJs partnering with the city of Chicago for a house concert at Kennedy King College on Saturday. Uh, The Chosen Few Picnic is one of the oldest, if not the oldest, house music festivals in the country. Chicago is the birthplace of house music. Don't let nobody else tell you some other bullshit, right? Right. House music is where you see R&B and rap and disco and pop and dance music all come together and it grew in black, black gay clubs in Chicago and, uh, and it's traveled the world five times over. And as you said earlier, Jamie, the, the house community lost a huge figure in DJ Paul. And so knowing that the chosen few DJs are coming together, that the city's uh, house city... Uh, a series of concerts is going off well thus far. You know, if you got time, I believe 12 to 7 or 8 at Kennedy King College over in Inglewood.
2: I got my ticket.
0: All right, maybe I'll catch you out there. Uh, again, Jamie Nesbitt Golden covers Bronzeville in the near south side for Block Club Chicago, and Mina Bloom covers Humble Park, Avondale, as well as Logan Square. Thank y'all so much for being on City Cash Chicago to shoot the shit with your boy. This was a fantastic and enjoyable conversation.
1: Thank you so much. It's so awesome. You guys are amazing.
2: We got to do this again, bro. This is so fun.
0: Now, I know for some of you, some of your kids or the children in your life, Monday is the first day of school. So I had to ask my crew, what was your favorite first day of school ritual? Lead producer, Carrie Shepard. I wore a
1: uniform from kindergarten till senior year of high school. So I didn't get to shop for a brand new clothes. However, I did get to pick out new cool shoes for the school year and that was my favorite memory.
0: Producer Simone Alisea.
2: Organizing my school supplies. I would divide up my binder, label all my notebooks, put all the pens and pencils in their case and then line it all up really nice in my backpack.
0: Producer Natalie Rivera.
2: Having a really hearty breakfast the morning of I remember eating so much, actually, like uh, eggs and bacon and toast and smoothies, all of it.
0: Newsletter writer Sydney man, what you like to do before a first day of school? I liked picking out a first
1: day of school outfit. My mom would take me to Old Navy and it looked super cute.
0: And me, well, it was pretty basic, but like a lot of y'all, I like to iron out my clothes, set aside my shoes to make sure I look crispy before the first day. I mean, I wore a uniform to school most of my life, but... You still got to be fresh. Thanks to Sam Trump for our theme music and also to Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop. As always, I got to say my last appreciation from you. Another week, you still riding with us. And hopefully, our daily newsletter, which you can sign up for at chicago.citycast.fm. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. I thought that was decent, I thought that was decent.